0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
1: website for details. Hey there,
0: this is Richard from Sunny Fullerton, California, and you're listening to Barset Talk. Hey everybody, Brian here. Welcome to Barca Talk. As usual, I'm in the Barca Talk studio, aka my living room in Buffalo, New York. And joining me from Barca Talk correspondent headquarters in Madrid, Spain is Gabriel Quiroga. Gabriel, what's new? Not much Brian, how are you doing? I- I'm doing okay. What's the <laughs> I guess you didn't get a whole lot of sleep
1: last night. Uh, I did not. The game here, the Classico of uh, in Miami was at two o'clock local time, two o'clock in the morning. so I was uh, up late last night watching the match. I didn't get home till about 435 or so. Uh, but it was worth it. It was an entertaining match, which we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, I'm a little tired. Yeah, yeah well, you know
0: that shows your commitment to to Barça. <laughs> because you could have watched it online
1: on replay. I could have at a reasonable time, but you chose to stay up. I could have, yeah. And uh my my friend Luis who's also a super fan here, uh he wouldn't he wouldn't have let me. So, uh yeah. So, <laughs> we watched it live and and it was worth it. Cool, cool. Um. So, what did you think about our our new little addition to the beginning of the show, our listener intro? Yeah, I definitely like it. I like the intro. I think it's a good um introduction to our Barca talk to hopefully welcome some new fans and followers into into the Barca talk podcast world.
0: Yeah, I, I'm into it. Uh, since gearing the show back up this month. Uh, We've gotten a lot of great responses and more new listeners. And truth be told, that was a friend of mine who called in this week. But we would really like to get all you listeners calling in and doing these intros for us. So the way to do it is real simple. Just call the voicemail line. That's 716-795-2853. And record our intro straight from your phone. Uh, The script is very straight ahead. Just tell us your name, where you're calling from, and introduce the show. This is Barca Talk. You're listening to Barca Talk, something like that, and throw in a little uh, Viscotto Barca if you want. Uh, now, if you do not like calling phone numbers, you could also just record it on your smartphone and email it to us at BarcaTalkPod at gmail dot com. So again, the phone number is seven one six seven nine five two eight five three, and the email is BarcaTalkPod at gmail dot com, all one word barsa talk pod we just recently changed the email address from what it used to be so that's the current email address make sure to use that one um you got anything else to add before we before we kick things off
1: uh no i don't let's let's get this started
0: okay let's start the show and do some barsa talk <laughs> Now, the first thing we have to talk about is something very important. It's been overshadowed by all the controversy surrounding Neymar, but it's a really important story that has been ignored. And of course, I'm talking about Mascherano's beard. That thing is a force to be reckoned with. I I mean, every time I look at it, I think he looks kind of like in the movies when there's like a homeless guy who gets taken in by some... Do gooder, and they like shower him up and he's clean, but he still
1: has the beard. Like, that's how Mascherano's beard looks, and I love it. Uh, yeah, when we were talking about this, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, I, you know, when you mentioned it, um, and then last time when I was watching the game, I was like, man, his beard game is on point. Uh, yeah, so he's been definitely growing that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to give him uh, more powers. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be faster, um, stronger, who knows, but yeah, that beard is, is something else. Uh, I'm pretty jealous because I can't grow a beard. It takes me maybe three weeks and I'll get nothing. So to see my beard, I'm, I'm pretty jealous of it.
0: Yeah. See, I am, as you know, because we do this over Skype, I am a bearded man. And uh, I've definitely had my moments. I remember one time I was I was in Chicago, sitting by the lake with my girlfriend. Some dude just rolls by on a bike, and he says, "That is a fine beard, sir." I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> so, like, I have an appreciation for beards, you know, from my own personal experience. And you know, Suarez grew a beard out this summer, also, and his is very, you know, trimmed and sleek. It, he, you know, it's very much like him as a player. It's very close to his face. It's groomed. But Mascherano, he just let it go. He. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's totally good for did. what he does. You know, being a defender, yeah, yeah. being a center back,
1: he just wants to look intimidating. And he does. And I love it. Exactly. Especially with that clean Bic shaved head of his now with that beard. I mean, it's just got got it going on now. It's, it's definitely intimidating for sure.
0: Yeah, the beard, the the scraggly beard with the shaved head is an incredible look. But okay, uh so we got that out of the way. I and it was very important that we talk about that. But but really now, there are there are some things happening or close to happening that we should that we should talk about. So um early last week, I got a message from you that said we had signed Coutinho and you were it, it, it's hard to figure out tone in a text message, but it seemed like you were nonplussed by that
1: well no i w- i was fine with the signing i more like um i had been off twitter for about two hours or something and then all of a sudden it just like blew up about the coutinho thing so i was just more about like just surprised how quickly it came together obviously it's not official um like just before we we started recording i was on twitter just checking out the news and stuff and it's just you know i just want this transfer window to end i just can't take this anymore i just want my team to be finalized i don't like having these These doubts, you know, Um, I think Coutinho would be a good addition to the team. Um, Obviously, uh, if to replace Neymar, if Neymar goes, Um, what, what do you what do you think about Coutinho? Do you like his game? Do you know anything about him? I don't really know
0: anything about him is the thing. You know, I I have to admit there was a time when I was watching a lot of football and uh being now in a PhD program I'm really busy with a lot of other things so all I watch is Barcelona so no I don't really know Coutinho I I figure if he's if he's a hot commodity and Liverpool doesn't want to let him go and he's playing for Liverpool anyway he's got to be he's got to be solid
1: yeah I mean he's a, he's a he's a solid midfielder for sure um he's been at Liverpool for I think the last 4 or 5 years he's Brazilian um what I like about his game is he, he's tough he's a tough Kind of you know Brazilians usually have the reputation of kind of being soft, a lot of flair obviously, but he's he's got a little toughness to him, which i which I really like um He's also just the the basically the heart and soul of their attack in Liverpool, so everything kind of goes through him um obviously, if he came to Barcelona, he would obviously replace Neymar on the left side. I think he would be a pretty good link up with obviously Messi and Suarez um, but I mean it's he's no Neymar, and like we're going to talk about the classical last night. Neymar was something special last night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, okay. so the fact is, at the moment, Coutinho has not
0: been signed. Uh, Of course, his name has been mentioned in the press. But uh, President Bartomeu was, I think, characteristically coy about it because he was speaking with ESPN right ahead of the uh, Classico in Miami. And most of the interview, of course, revolved around Neymar. But when asked about Coutinho, he said... He's a Liverpool player, and I have a lot of respect for Liverpool. What we do in the summer is be very discreet about everything. I don't know about that. Um, but he said, so we can't confirm or deny anything. But he did say that there would be more new new signings, whether Neymar stays or goes. Either way, there are going to be more new signings. Um, definitely in the midfield, Bartomeu said. So that's what we have to look forward to. And um, as I think about the whole lineup, it, it, with more shoring up and fortification in the midfield, uh, it. I think it lines up with what we're seeing on the pitch and what Valverde wants to do, which is play through the midfield at a level that we haven't seen in a few
1: years. And this is the other thing too with, um, with football, international football is, um, you know, in the States with basketball and NFL and stuff, um, the reporters have really good inside information. They're really close to the sources and they usually get it right. So when something comes out on Twitter with NFL or NBA news, they're pretty spot on. Well, the opposites in international football—they're not that close to the team. They don't—they don't have sources like they do in in the U.S. So all the Twitter rumors and everything are just rumors and just things. So like you know, with the Coutinho thing, with Verratti and all this stuff, and obviously Bartomeu can can't really say anything. But like I was talking with uh, my friend Luis this this morning about the the position of you know selling Neymar for the, the money and then getting Coutinho and Varadi. Yeah, on paper it sounds great, but like do you have confidence that the board can pull something off like that? Like I don't feel like they're that forward thinking. They're not they don't really have a plan B. Maybe they have a plan A and oh, maybe if this kind of goes but this doesn't, doesn't feel like anything's very well thought out, you know? Yeah, well it's it does seem really um chaotic or yeah, n-
0: disorganized. You know they, they're trying to. They have their politician faces on, right? So it, it seems like they have pretty much everything under control. But when you look at what's actually happening, it, it's
1: it just sounds like it seems like a, a real mess. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing too is that like I was I was reading an article about the Real Madrid um, policy that they changed a couple of years ago of signing players. And you know with Real Madrid, Florentino Perez is the ultimate stop, right? Like whatever he wants, he's going to get, and you know. And if he has a a bad player, it's on him. If he has a great player, it's on him. But you know you know, he's almost like a dictator that way. But like we talked about in the previous episode, that they've been signing all these young players, and really, really top young players, and we don't have anything in the pipeline. We're the opposite. We don't really have anything to be really excited about the future of the youth. Last night in the Clásico, you saw... Real Madrid's they they unveiled their players and there's like they had Kovacic that guy's like 23 years old, 24 years old and then they have, you know, um Ceballos, they have this other guy that, and the the future's bright for them whereas us we have everything everything hinged on Messi. And that for me, you know, obviously if Messi goes down or, you know, Messi's not going to play at this level forever and so we always have to have something in the pipeline ready in the future and we just don't have that. We don't have that forward thinking. I, I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but like Real Madrid is being more forward thinking than Barcelona is, especially with their with their signings and the way they're moving uh, their team. Their team is young, fast, strong, and they can. They're going to give Barca a run for the next, obviously, six years on, on everything, you know. And what's Barca going to do? That's that's you know that's what scares me a little bit. Well, they can't just keep
0: throwing money at the problem. And I think, like, that's something that people have been saying for a while. You know, you can't just every year keep buying bigger and bigger players. And, you know, and that that's not a long-term strategy. That's really more of a – that should be, a, like, a supplemental thing, a stopgap thing. But And it goes back to what a lot of people have been saying for a couple years at least now that the – the, the youth system, the the feeding into the first team from La Masia through Barca B is just not working. It's not working out right now. At the same time, though, um, I guess Chabi said something about this recently, and Bartomeu sort of shot back and said, you know, well, it's because of players like Chabi and Iniesta and Messi who have been on the first team for 15, 16 years, you know, whatever, a long time. That's like, that's a lot of time that there were young players coming up who couldn't get on the field because they were already on the field. But honestly, I think that's a total cop out. I mean, yeah, sure if if you have your starting lineup, you have your stalwarts, you have your old school guys, they're your main guys, and if you have a great player who's coming up through the youth system, who's not going to be able to get to play, you you know, let them go and like pursue their career somewhere else. But you have to just keep that consistent conveyor belt of great talent, great players coming through the system so that when those players are ready to leave, You can phase them out and phase in the new guys. And you see like little shades of that, but it's like you're saying,
1: there isn't a long-term plan right now. Yeah, and that's the thing is that they're not loaning out their Barca B players to teams to get more experience. And that's what they need to do. They just need to loan them out to La Liga teams and just let them... Thrive. Let them sink or swim, you know, because that's how you're going to find out if they're going to be on Barcelona future. And if they're not, you just sell them. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You know, that's what real real Madrid is doing. They are investing all their money into players under 24 years old. So you, all their signings this summer have been pretty much all under 24. And hopefully when they, their policy is, you know, they get five years out of them, they can still sell them when they're under 30 and still make a hell of a money getting that on the transfer fee. That's what they did with Ozil. That's what they did with Di Maria. And, you know, that's how they're able to get this, uh, the French guy that they're looking at, Mbappe. I mean, this guy is going to be like the new Thierry Henry. And if they get him, look out. I yeah. mean, we are, you know, the if they get that signing, like I was talking with my buddy, if they get that signing, we are screwed. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it sure would seem that
0: way. Well, I, I think I want to be, I want to clarify something you said. It, I, I don't want anyone to think that you're feeling envious of Real Madrid. But but you have but you're recognizing that they have at the moment a better plan, like a real plan for the future that objectively speaking has, you know, more potential in it. And we
1: just wish that we were that Barça was doing that. We're not envious. <laughs> exactly. I mean that's the thing. It's just like my so my basketball team that I follow are the Warriors and I've talked about it before, that the way they do business now, the way they've changed everything, the way they're forward thinking. It's something that other teams are really envious, and so that's what I hoped that Barca could be, and that's what they used to be like when they had Pep Guardiola and La Maiza players and all that stuff. But ever since Pep left, we have been uh, searching for a plan, and we've had different presidents, and it's just, you know, now that I see Real Madrid and just see the potential that they have and that they're going to continue, you know, they're going to be strong, and Zidane knows how to use his, his bench, you know, and those players are going to get a lot of experience. So, yes, I'm not envious, but I just wish Barca just had some sort of definite plan. Yeah, well, I don't know if Valverde is going to have
0: as much influence as we might like on that. I mean, because I I look at Valverde and I think here's a guy who has a lot of the same ideas that uh, you and I are talking about that a lot of fans have about having this long term plan and really maintaining the uh, the core values of Barcelona when it comes to the La Masia and the B team leading up to the first team. Of course not everyone is going to be able to make it to the first team, but really trying to, you know, make good players and keep that conveyor line going. It seems like Valver- Valverde is much more interested in bringing up those youth players, bringing up the B players. And if he's here for at least a, a few years, which he will be, assuming things go well, then he might be able to influence the board to sort of change their tactic a little bit or change their strategy. But if they're not paying attention, if that's what he wants, and whether or not the board is paying attention, you know, who knows. Basically, though, what you're saying, I totally agree,
1: is if if the board keeps going the way they're going, they're going to get voted out. Exactly. And, you know, this is the thing is that if uh, Valverde was still in Bilbao, let's say, right, he has so much control in the club he knows you know he he's in charge of the the development team and he's he's interested because he knows he's going to be there for a long time right and so he needs to see okay this player is coming up okay i can do this But in Barcelona, he's just trying to survive, right? He's just trying to get, stay for the three years, try to be successful. Like he's, his goals are not to try to develop and try to bring players. His goal is to try to win, uh, be successful, get the best out of the team and just that. When you're on a lower team, the manager is definitely more invested, you know, wants to have his hand in the development and all that stuff of the lower tier team. But in a club like Madrid and Barca, like they are just trying to to survive those three years because there's so much stress involved. The last thing they need is uh, to worry about Barca B, and that's why they need a good, right. you know, you need a good um, a sporting director that's looking out for the club and concerned about the Barca B as well as the as the as the main team. So yeah, well, you know that th- this is going to be
0: it has been and it's going to continue to be an ongoing conversation so let's uh, let's step away from that for now i think we've i think we've covered most of the main points <laughs> um and there's so i want to get into this Neymar thing again um uh, regretfully because we have to talk about Neymar and we can't avoid it but i have to say it's at this point it's the kind of story that has become so comically absurd at this point, I mean, even one writer for sport in an opinion piece said that it's become farcical that I don't even really want to talk about it until something actually happens. Either he stays, he goes, or even even if he were to actually just say something, then I would feel better about getting into it. But we, we can't help but talk about it, really. Uh, so I want to talk about one specific thing that, given the circumstances, seemed like a big deal though it might not have been, but at least it actually happened, and the fact that it happened was confirmed by video. So in training last week, uh Neymar and the new signing uh Nelson Semedo got into a little spat in training, and there's video of this. Semedo came in for a tackle, and apparently he came in a little hard for Neymar's tastes, so Ney got in Semedo's face. And then Semedo walked away immediately just trying to diffuse things, but Neymar wasn't having it. He at least gestured like he was going after him. And then Busquets pulls him back, and then Neymar storms off, leave, left training for the day. So talking about this in a press conference uh, in Miami and the whole lead-up to the Classico, Iniesta said that like because of this situation and what's being said about Ney, which is worldwide, it has much more significance. But for those of us who are training, it's, it's nothing. So are things like this common in training sessions? Are we trying, or is the press trying? I guess we are the press. But is the other press trying to blow it out of proportion because there's such a huge question mark over
1: Neymar's head right now? I mean, how common are things like this in training, do you think? Uh, I think it's very common. Um, And I just think that since... It was caught on film, you know, it just, it's a bigger deal, especially with all the rumors and so forth. I mean, I just think he's just, um, stressed out, obviously, about the situation. Um, I mean, I, you know, we talked last week after the PK Instagram thing. I, I thought, I believed for maybe two days that he was going to stay, but, um, especially after watching the sports show today, like he went to China today after the game by himself and so what they're speculating is like you know last night's game was the last game he's going to play and after he's done with China he's going straight to Paris and I'm kind of tending to believe that more um, just by body language just by what I've been seeing um, especially after the sports show today they, they had about 12 to 15 minutes just on the Neymar situation a video from the game before the game after the game when he got subbed off when he was talking to the Brazilian players from Real Madrid all these things it was crazy it was just like all this crazy insight that you know you just and the way he was talking with Marcelo and Casemiro it seems it seemed like if I was just looking from the outside that he was telling them that he's leaving and so that for me is just you know I think he's leaving so again like we talked about I just want it to be finalized just go or stay you know I need to like find out who is going to be our team this year and go forward right and especially if Neymar is going to be gone then that's a a significant Issue it
0: to, to deal with. And, you know, Valverde also wants to have the squad finalized as soon as possible. He even, I guess, publicly said that he would like for the squad to be finalized by August 7th, which is really early. Yeah. The, the, the transfer window is open until September 1st. So it's, it's not likely that he's going to have his wish. But... But he's at least said he wants to know who his team is so that he can plan for the Super Cup.
1: Yeah, if you bring in some more players, great. But I think just the question of the Neymar thing, I mean, because that's really, you know, all that you're really caring about. Because, you know, you could potentially replace Neymar in the short term, you know, for the Super Cup with uh, Alcácer or another um, Sergio Roberto or something like this. But um, obviously Valverde wants, um, you know, he wants to have the uh, the team finalized. But again, it's out of his hands especially since they're waiting for PSG to come up with this money. Uh, this loot to get Neymar.
0: Yeah. And apparently they're going to report PSG to UEFA if they do come up with it, because they're going to say that, like, they've already said, we, we can't imagine where they would get all that money. So if they come up with it, we're just going to report them and ask for an investigation as to the source of it to make sure that they're uh, operating within the financial fair play
1: rules. Exactly. I mean, it's just that uh, Qatari money, you know, they just, you know, PK said it best. Basically, it's just between two things, money or trophies. Right. Because that's right. I mean, PSG. Yeah, they could potentially be a runner for the Champions League. But I still I mean, I would take Barca Madrid or, you know, or Bayern Munich over PSG. I just that's my feeling. Yeah. Even with the signings that they've made. I mean, you know, about uh, being on Barca, I just think that helps his brand more. But obviously he thinks being by himself is going to help his brand. So, yeah. And
0: it's it's a real shame that he's well, I don't know. From my perspective, I would prefer that he wasn't so concerned with his brand as much as with the club.
1: Exactly. And you know, how much, how much more do you need? You know, especially when you're in the hundred millions, you know, what's another three? Like he's going to China right now to do a thing. And I think he's getting like another five million or something. I'm just like, God, God he's going for one day for this appearance, you know, uh, I was reading on, um, Twitter. There's a really good, um, a woman who does, uh, writing for Barca. Her name is Diane Christine. She had like a nice little piece about her opinion about the Neymar thing. And I couldn't, I'll, I'll post it on the website and stuff, but it was a really good uh, opinion piece about what she thought about the whole thing. And and she felt that Neymar was leaving too. I mean, especially since Neymar hasn't said anything like that just adds, you know, like the whole speculation. I mean, I just feel like he's leaving now. So
0: yeah, normally silence is kind of like a a form of admission because if he wasn't going in, he probably would have said so by now, probably more than likely the next time we come out with a show, we'll be talking about what's going
1: to happen on the left side. Exactly. And we'll be like, Oh, Sergio Roberto Alcasa or whatever. But what I've seen so far with Valverde, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we have a tactical manager that is already shown in the last three games, even though they're preseason, that we're heading in the right direction with what we have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <whistles> There's the whistle, and you know what that means. That's the end of the first half, and this is the halftime portion of the show. In the second half, we'll get into the actual football, looking back at the last two games in the U.S. and looking ahead to the Super Cup. Uh, so speaking of
1: halftime shows, Gabriel, how about uh, how about Mark Anthony in Miami, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, we were just talking about that. It's just, you know, we can't ever have in these big matches, like, just silence. We always have to have a music... Accompaniment with something, right? So, in America, when I was uh, exactly, and so when I was uh, watching the game last night, my I was watching with my friend, and he was like, Yeah, they're gonna have like a halftime show. And I was like, Are you kidding me? I was like, Who did they get? He's like, Mark Anthony. I was like, Oh gosh, <laughs> this is like the most Miami thing ever, right? So, especially since it's being played in Miami, a little salsa music, but I mean, it was fine, I don't mind Mark Anthony at all, but I just you know, you use halftime to like go get a drink, go to the bathroom, I don't need to keep watching TV all the time.
0: Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I don't need to get it if I'm at the stadium. Also, like I, I just want to relax for 15 minutes because, like, I watch the game pretty closely. I don't want another show to happen for me to either watch or
1: not watch something. I have to worry about ignoring. Just let me chill out. Exactly, and here I don't, in Spain, what they do in halftime when Champions Leagues or anything like this is on the local TV, they just do all advertisements the whole time. And I kind of didn't like that at first because I wanted a little analysis, but actually I don't mind it because then it's just, you know, you know, the game's not starting. And then when you actually see the game, the game's ready to go and you're ready to go.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of confusion, like with uh, the way they they cover soccer here in the States. There's often a lot of confusion because they'll be doing replays and analysis. And, you know, if you look away for a minute because it's halftime and you look back and you see playing happening, you're like, oh, did the second half start? Oh, no. Okay, that's a replay. Never mind. It's better, actually. I think, yeah, might as well just wallpaper the whole thing with just advertising. And that's what they do for 15 straight minutes. I'm for it. Well, okay, so as far as our own halftime business is concerned, um, I wanted to talk about a couple of social media things relating to the show. So um, one thing I really like about working with, with you, Gabriel, is I don't like Twitter. I really do not like Twitter. But you're a lot better at it than I am, and you're on it a lot. You actually like Twitter. So I just leave the whole Twitter aspect of um, the Barca Talk social media campaign to you. So but i 'm just since i don't look at it why don 't you tell me and our listeners
1: what our what is our Twitter activity like what do we what do we do there So our Twitter activity right now is just um, publishing articles that I think are interesting for Barça fans, but I mainly use Twitter just to follow insiders um, on any sport that I follow, and I just really like it because. You know, you get different perspectives, um, you get journalists, um, they link to their articles, so you get them when they're uh, freshly written. Uh, but also, I, I love, love, love watching a game and on Twitter at the same time. I love seeing reactions and seeing how different people react to different things. For me, that is like watching with a bunch of people, and you just, especially when something spectacular happens and you get the reaction, I just think it's it's a great way to watch the game. So that's how I watch Twitter. Uh, more and more, we're going to um, put more posts. And obviously, when I'm during the season, I'm going to post more pictures as well as on Instagram, which you're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, I, personally, I like Instagram. I enjoy it. I like sharing photos, and sometimes I'll do some photoshopy or some video edit type things and sharing those. But um, just in the same way that, that we want to hear your voices on the show, we also want to get involved with you on Instagram. So you could follow us on, uh, well, you could follow us on Twitter also, but uh, definitely follow us on Instagram as well. Our username is Barca Talk Pod. And just tag us in any of your fan posts. You know, if you've got you in your Barca jersey, whatever, go ahead and give us a tag and we'll repost it on our Instagram. So it's not just us generating stuff, uh, but we're sharing and, uh, engaging with with the listeners in the community. And the important thing to keep in mind is that all of this social media is great. And it adds a different dimension and adds different ways that we can interact with with the listeners. But at the end of the day, it's really all about this right here, what's coming into your ears. So give us a call 716 795 Two eight five three, and record a show intro for us, or tell us anything you want. Uh, we were joking earlier about Mascherano's beard. What do you got? Give us your best Mascherano beard zinger, right? Give us your best Mascherano beard jokes. And uh, finally, I would feel I would not be doing my duty if I didn't ask you to give us uh, a rating or review in the iTunes Store. At this point, we've put out a good number of shows. Uh, We've gotten some good reviews. And if you search the iTunes store for just FC Barcelona in the podcast area, the results page is filled with our episodes. So that's great. But more ratings and reviews will uh, help the show grow even more. And just tell your friends about it. Share it. Uh, We really appreciate that. Uh, You got anything else, Gabe, before we start the second half? Nope.
1: Let's get started with the second half.
0: Okay. Let's do it. Start the second half. (laughs) since our last show, Barca has played two games, uh, finishing up the International Champions Cup in the U.S., of course, the grand finale being the Classico in Miami. But before that, they played Manchester United in Washington, D.C., winning 1-0 with a goal from Neymar. So let's talk about that match. What
1: what are your initial thoughts? Well, first, um, I just watched the highlights. I didn't watch the full match, Um, but what I saw, I liked, Um, you know— with the match against uh Madrid, Manchester United and of course the the first game they played against I forget right now top of my head. Juventus. But uh, Juventus they have started really strong, um pushing the tempo, uh you know, trying to get the ball back and that's what they did with the Manchester United game. You know, like we, I'm I have been really impressed with what Valverde's been able to get from Rakitic, uh Messi, Suarez, even Neymar. Um they just look Like we talked about before, they just look so much more organized. They know what they have to do. And, for example, um, when they're getting pressed by the other team, they know exactly how to counter that more cleanly. And so that's been helping a lot. Like they have uh, better outlets. They've been able to counter more. And so I've been impressed so far with what Valverde has been able to get. I know it's just preseason, but still it's, it's a good momentum for the Super Cup that's coming up.
0: Yeah, it's really it is noticeable what he's getting out of these players that you mentioned. The thing that I was really looking at, I actually did watch I watched the whole game. I mean, it wasn't a very exciting game, to be honest, because uh, United weren't exactly bringing it the way that Barca were. But in any case, what I was really looking at was just, I don't know how, how much time the ball was on the ground. Um, so Barcelona was playing the ball on the ground a lot more than the last few seasons under uh, Luis Enrique. And, of course, when you have Suarez on the field, you're always going to be able to threaten a more direct play you know, across in. But I was personally really encouraged by how much one-touch passing in small spaces I was seeing and so much rotation in the midfield and the forward lines. You know, you never totally knew where Rakitic, Alenia, even Busquets would be you know, normally Busquets in the last few years he's been really anchored in that central spot, uh, playing the, you know the defensive sort of distributive role, which is great. But he's he's been a lot more mobile lately, and uh, all of that goes for Messi, Suarez, and Neymar too. It, there there is you can't predict where any of them are going to be. So so much more movement and rotation on the field, and all, all that beautiful one touch, you know, old school tiki taka passing. Uh, it's it's beautiful to see and in its own way effective.
1: Yeah, and and the thing too is that I always, you know, anytime we play in a neutral field with good weather against an English team, we will dominate possession. We are so technically superior to them. Um, It's just our style, our our technical ability is just flawless. On a neutral field with good weather, we can just do that. Uh, You know, Manchester United, like who, I don't know, does anyone really scare you or anything like that? Maybe Pogba on the other team? But they don't have the chemistry, the passing chemistry that Barca has, you know, with Messi, Iniesta, and all that. And you, like you said, they are just tiki-talking all over the pitch. Manchester United don't know what to do. They just look lost. And I, they had a couple opportunities, but really they didn't really threaten that much as compared to Barcelona. They had a couple opportunities that they flubbed on. But, you know, overall, we take in these preseason games, we we trying to look for the organization. Uh, we're trying to see how... Quickly, they can adapt to Valverde's system, and so far, they've been looking all good.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like Valverde's system is just like a more formalized, a little bit more regimented in a way. Um, but it's it's also a lot of return to form for a lot of the players who have been around long enough to remember the Guardiola years. It's because it's looking more, more like a Guardiola kind of situation. It's not exactly the same. Valverde, you know, has his own ideas. And he's he's not the same guy. He's you know, he has different uh, there are differences between them. But it just looks a lot similar. And one, I think that it is a way to win games. It is an effective tactic and an effective strategy. But also, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful to watch how it's like it's like improvised ballet with a soccer ball.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, if you ever get the chance to watch them warm up before a match. It's incredible. I, every time I've been to, to watch them live, I'm always just amazed the way just the before the match, they do the keep away drills and then like they'll do the long passing and the way they just stop the ball passes. It's incredible. It's incredible, especially since like, you know, I have an idea of the type of player I was. I was a player that I never wanted to make crazy mistakes. I wanted to be flawless with my passing as much as possible. And then when I see them do what they do, especially in the match like especially last night or against Manchester United, they just make them look so like amateur. It's crazy how they do it. They know exactly where to move after they pass. It's it's insane. And you know, obviously that's been raised ever since they were youths. But um, going back to this Valverde thing, which will go into the Clasico, um, you know, so the Manchester United saw the lineup and it was more of a 4-3-3 setup. But last night um, on the TV here in Spain, they, they showed up the lineup and it was more of a 4-2-3-1 um, setup. And so I think, I think... In the more important games, I think Valverde is going to go more to the 4 2 because, like, last night was a quote-unquote important game. So for that, I'm, I'm pretty excited that there's going to be some flexibility in the tactics. Now, so what are the—because
0: it was a very much the same lineup as you would see playing a
1: 4-3-3. What would be, like, the tactical differences between a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1? So there's two main differences. So the first one is Messi's in the center. And Messi was in the center last night, making the passes, the runs. I mean, how many times did Messi have? You know, when he scored the goal, or he. And you're playing through Suarez, so you can play outlet on counters with Neymar to the side. Suarez goes up the middle, and then you have Messi in the middle as well, so that helps. But then also it solidifies the defense because then you have Iniesta and Busquets on the back. Iniesta has a little bit of flexibility to go up and down, but Busquets stays more hunkered down. But also it's just like Rakitic looks so much different now. He just looks so solid. Like you know he had the goal last night in the Clásico, but also he just looks so confident and he's making right passes. He's not hes not being hung out to dry like he was last year when Messi would avoid that area. I mean Rakitic had to cover so much ground last year, and he was exposed. And now he has shorter distance to cover. He's making the right passes. He's scoring goals. You can just tell. And if that's solidified... Then we'll be so much better off because then we don't leave our defense exposed like we did last year so many times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've kind of already just slipped into talking about the Classico because, of course, that's the more interesting game to talk about. I I had one main thought about the whole event, uh, just the fact that it is sort of like the the main event, the capping off event of this international champions cup, and you know this whole U.S. tour thing. Um, and I was thinking about how. Whenever those two sides play, it's even if it's quote-unquote a friendly, it's not really a friendly. They can't ever just be friendly. I mean, they might pull some punches because in the end, they're all professionals and nobody wants to risk injury to themselves or others out of professional courtesy in a game with stakes so low. But they still want to put on a good show. But what struck me watching it was how there is actually something very much at stake in that game, or there was, And what it is, it's more intangible, but what it is, is um, it's market share in the U.S., right? In the Galacticos era at Real Madrid, they made a lot of serious inroads into the U.S. market. And as a result, I personally find that there are more Madridistas in the U.S. than there are culés. But we know that Barca is making a big push to get more goodwill in the U.S. And I feel like if there was one thing that they were actually competing over... On Saturday night, it was the undecided, the neutral American football fan
1: to like get some uh, some allegiance going. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, I definitely think that that they have they were aiming for that market share. It was you know at the beginning of the game, it was it was quite obvious that Barcelona was ready to play and Madrid was kind of taking it easy. Um, obviously, after a couple tackles, it became quite a good match, you know, especially the first half. There was four goals. Uh, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, Barcelona dominated the possession for the most part, um, which was great to see. Neymar was spectacular. Um, you know, I was talking, commenting with my friend last night. I said, you know, Neymar loses the ball like eight times out of 10 trying to do like the most amazing move. But then when he makes that most amazing move, and you score a goal, like, it's just, you're just in awe. And so that's what you, you know, that's what you get with Neymar. Um, but again, you're right. They were trying to compete for the market share. Um, from what I saw on the TV, it kind of looked uh, obviously a lot split, you know, 50-50 going, you know, a lot of Barcelona fans, obviously a lot of Madrid fans. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, I think it's a great idea. I think it was a great event, um, especially the game turned out really well. So I think everyone kind of won. You know, won the night, basically. It was a, a great game. Everyone looked like they had a great time uh, watching the game. I was talking with my dad. My dad watched the game. And he he thought it was going to be a, a boring game, but he, was, he enjoyed it. So, you know, everyone, you know, from what I read in Twitter, too, everyone just enjoyed the game. Yeah, it's uh, the fans definitely won. Yeah, I mean, and also the way, you know, the U.S. always puts on a show, you know, they were able to gain uh, a lot of momentum going into the game with – you know, events beforehand with Neymar doing a Nike uh, show, uh, Messi with Adidas. Um, they they were able to you know really really gain momentum. People paid a lot of money to go down there to go watch the game. Also, this helped because this is the new stadium unveiling too as well. I mean, it was just a lot of like the perfect storm. And I think for both teams, you know, both teams um, are really happy and pleased with the with the outcome. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: I, I do want to point out just one one moment that was uh, somehow important to me. And I want to try and talk through why that was. So there was this one exchange in the second half between Neymar and Jordi Alba. And they were just checking the ball back and forth to each other, I think three times, maybe even four, before Jordi made the run down the line and Neymar found him. He put it through to him. And personally, I love seeing that kind of thing um, but I often get the sense that a lot of Americans don't understand what that's about. And in this case, the the play got broken up. You know, the defenders sort of dispossessed the majority of the ball. But in the last few years, um, it seems like they've been more concerned, Barca has, more concerned with circulating the ball over a large area. They haven't been checking the ball as much in a small area. But I remember maybe five, six years ago, you know, you'd see... Chabi and Busquets check the ball back and forth five, six times, and then suddenly something would appear out of that. You know, someone would make a run, they would get into some open space, and then something came out of it. So I think there's something when you see it that it seems somehow like stalling or it seems like inefficient or unproductive. I don't know. When I see it, I think it shows just a lot of patience and uh, a kind of like that, that old school like probing way of playing where, you know, we're not going to be pushed around and we're not just going to circulate the ball and circulate the ball and hope for something. Like if, you know, we, if we see something that could develop, like we'll, we'll stay in here. And I feel like it's actually a a good tactic. And I, so I, I pointed that out to a couple of my friends who I was watching with, and I said, you see that kind of thing, that's actually a very, for my money, a really good little tactic. It's a very local strategy, but I think it's great. And uh, I I,
1: I want to see more of that this season. Do
0: you do you have and you know this this specific thing I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, and and it goes down to also you have to know where they are in the field. If they're in the middle third, um, you know, none of the players are going to be really doing a lot of diagonal runs or through runs or anything like that. They're just trying to inch closer to the goal right so that's what they're trying to do so busquets and yes are just pinging it back and forth but they're constantly moving forward by a little bit little bit little bit when they're in the last third and they're still pinging around that's where all the runs come in that's when the overlaps the throughs the over the top these type of things and so it just really depends where they are on the field but yeah i mean that's really i mean possessing the ball like the way they do is so hard to do everyone that's played they know you you try you try so hard you're like okay i'm just gonna pass it backwards we're gonna keep it but you know there's always a moment after maybe the fifth pass that you either lose the ball or because of pressure and these people are professional footballers so the other team are just as good especially with real madrid last night they know exactly what barcelona going to do and they know how to counter it but the way they just pass and, and dance with each other that way is still, still, I can't get enough of. I mean, that's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I love Barca is just the way they do that. They toy with the other team. And, yeah, like, like you said... They ping it, they see all the runs, and they're always inching closer to the third, right? And once they get to the third, they have that flexibility, that independence where they can do their own flair. That's where Messi comes up with these great plays. Neymar, Alba does the overlap. You have all these things happening. And as a defender, you have so many things coming out. You have to be so disciplined, and that you just need one one uh, mental breakdown, and you got a goal for Barca.
0: Yeah. Okay, so now what uh, what do you think about how this— friendly quote unquote um has to tell us about what we're going to see in the super cup tie so that's a two match tie coming up in spain on the
1: uh in mid-august yeah so i think it's just the, more of the same that we've been seeing in the classicos that Madrid's going to focus on the counters that's how they scored their two goals they're fast so that's how they they focus against barcelona they'll press um, I think Barcelona is going to, um, hopefully maybe have some other tricks up their sleeve. Obviously, they're not showing everything in the preseason. But I think going forward, um, I definitely have more confidence going forward, especially, especially if Messi's playing the center role. It's, it's so hard, so hard for Ramos and Varan to cover him because if he miss, if he can get through one of them, then all of a sudden you have Suarez there. It's, it's game over. I mean, Messi through the middle puts so much pressure on the defense that they, you know, you have everyone focus on Messi and Messi can slip the ball. So I think going forward, I'm, I'm super excited for the Super Cup. It's going to be amazing because. It's two Classicos within, like, three days of each other. It's just And, you know, it's a home and away match. It's, it's going to be great. I'm really, really excited. And today when I was watching the sports, they're already doing a countdown.
0: Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, how, it's not often that you actually get to kick off the official competitive season with two Classicos inside of a week.
1: Exactly. Like, the last time I think was, like, four years ago, I think it was, when, uh, yeah, something like that. But they're already starting a countdown. And it's, it's going to be kind of interesting because uh, right now Madrid is a ghost town. Like I was telling you before we recorded that everyone's gone on vacation. So Madrid is going to be a little quiet. Um, and since Barcelona is a beach town, there's going to be a lot of people in Barcelona. So it'll be interesting to see how that um, – you know with the bars here because most of the bars are going to be closed for August. Uh, we'll see how that plays into any of, of the matches. And also – The Super Cup doesn't really mean anything like I mean, it's nice if we win, but at the same time, it's not, you know, you're basically just saying, "Okay, we beat you Madrid. We have this little cup. You know, that's basically what it is.
0: Right, right. Uh, Now, do you think you're going to be able to get into the, uh, the game in Madrid since since there's nobody around?
1: I mean, I could go, um, but uh, I probably won't. I just, yeah, I just prefer to watch it on the TV and probably watch it at a bar. But it's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. You know, I, I didn't even think of it. It'll probably be cheaper too because it's not really a. It's almost considered a preseason match, so we'll see. Maybe I'm. It's. A, I'll look into it. Actually, I'll look into it. Yeah, that that would be cool, and you could uh, you
0: know you could uh, do a report from the field.
1: <laughs> just do it on definitely. your phone
0: right and exactly definitely i'll clean up the audio <laughs> okay so final question about this who do you think is going to learn the lessons from this uh this miami friendly better moving ahead into the super cup Z- uh zidane or
1: valverde i mean i definitely think valverde zidane you know they are madrid is you know they're just going through the motions right now they're They'll be ready uh, for the season. But, I, you know, when you're a new manager, it's important to only get some momentum going into the season, which they've done. Um, it looks like the players are happy with the system. They, you, you can just see the way they've been playing. And I just think that Valverde is just, you know, he's an above-average manager. So he's going to get quite a bit out of uh, Barcelona. So like I said, I was talking with my dad and we were talking about this and it's just like, you know, we're excited about the season, especially going back to this pressing. They just look, I don't know, they just, they look uh, renewed, you know? And I guess maybe that's sometimes it's natural when you have a new manager, you know, you've had the Luis Enrique run, probably you're just like bothered by it, you know, the way he acts and stuff. And so just having a normal human, you know, as a manager, you know, it's just like <laughs> a totally, oh, I can talk to this guy, you know, wow, this guy wants this for me. Wow. Wow. So you can see that you know it's kind of like a renew birth for the team. So yeah, we're going to be really excited to watch the uh, watch the Super Cup. <laughs>
0: Well, that is it for this week. Uh thanks for listening. The news might compel us to do another one between now and the end of the Super Cup, but I think right now the plan is to hold off until the Super Cup has been played. And at that point, we at Barça Talk are going to be coming at you every week, every Monday with
1: more Barça Talk. You can follow the podcast on our multiple social media channels such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which can all be found on our website barsatalk.net. Also, if you know someone who loves Barca as much as we do, please share the show with them. Sharing is caring. Yes, and also call the
0: voicemail line. The number again is 716-795-2853. Give us an intro. chime in on anything you hear or tell us what you'd like to hear. We, we'll, you know, we'll do what we can. We'll see what we can do. One last time, the number is 716-795-2853. We will be back soon with another episode of Barca Talk. For now, I am Brian Henderson. I am Gabriel Quiroga. And thank you for listening. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?